are listening to Interested Anthony. I'm your host, Anthony Hohulis, and today my guest is William Patsios. So today on the show, we have a very special guest. I think this is going to be a great interview. He is an environmentalist. That's what he studied at UMass. He is an adventurer. He's one of the top NHL gamers and gamers in general in, in the world. At your highest ranking, you were in the top 10 in World of Chell, and one of the people on your teams, one of your, one of your buddies, was number one. What does it take to be a top 10 gamer? <clears throat> well, so pretty much when NHL 20, uh, actually kind of got to backtrack a little bit. We've been playing NHL for so long since, since Gretzky 94 uh, and 64, dude, we, we, we went back like that far. We, we've been playing NHL for so long. So it's good to kind of like build a crew to play with. And me and my homies have been playing NHL for a long time. So we've kind of just like grown with each other through the years and mm -hmm. um the last couple of years nhl has taken a little bit of a different turn in which case you can do these like three on three tournaments so it's like it's like you get your best three and you play against threes all over the all over the world so they they have this ranking system now in nhl threes and it keeps track of your rank a little bit more specific than it was before. Like other other games, naturally, as games have gotten you know better and, and more you know precise and stuff, they keep track of the advanced metric stats, yada yada yada, whatever. But we've we've kind of like made a point to try to see how we could climb these leaderboards the last couple of years in this world of chill um, contest, if you will, or, or, or championship. And we've done pretty good, dude. So. Last year, at the end of last year, we were like we were elite. We were in Division One and like in in the Chell Championship and stuff and World of Chell, and we were like, let's see if we can carry this over to NHL 20. I think it came out in August of 2019. So me and a couple of my close friends that I play with, we like got it like day one. I think we even like pre-ordered it or whatever. Like, but it's we we've been grinding so hard. So so I played D. So. I'm top 10 D and D is ranked a little bit different than offense. You either like play offense and or defense because it's three on three. So it's one D and two offense. Okay. So like a lot, a lot of people play offense, you know? So I, over the years have adopted D because it's way more badass. A B you got like a big, you get away with having like a bigger build to just like smoke people. But you know, it's funny actually, I don't mean to digress, but I play with a lot of people online. I've, you know, built like this pretty large, you know online gaming community mm -hmm. and everybody wants to play offense so like what happens when you get four people who want to play offense no one wants to play d so what happens your boy gets called <laughs> oh we, we we need the elite uh, we need the elite d the elite d so they hit me up but no nah, um <laughs> me and uh me and a couple of my homies we've been we've been grinding for a couple of years and we have our little core and my buddy jd um jd ruth 420 that's his. Uh, that's his Xbox name. He managed to get to number one in world of chell in threes, dude, which is wicked sick. Number one in the world. It's pretty nuts. Um, I I tell that to people, and they're like, like in the world, dude. But it, it's yeah. Out of you, you look at it, and the list is like never ending. There's like millions of people, and you scroll like filter top 100. Boom, number one was JD for like weeks. So naturally, like me playing with him, you know, we just we just tried to stay at the top. So like it was. It's hard to crack 
it's hard to crack a top 100 D let alone top 10 because you like stay back you know what I mean I'm, I'm constantly like I, I don't get to like get in there or score or whatever mm-hmm. so like I, I have to either win games or like get down on the assist so it's like that's that's why like um, I, I have I think I have like 3,000 assists which is Jeez. wicked and sick is it just a factor of putting the hours in or have you found is there like a little secret you can dish out i say it's a combo of both so the hours definitely are one thing that matters because people who grind are going to be grinding and if like your goal is to try to like get on top then you got to grind i mean i work and stuff like that so it's like it's not it's not like my my job compared to these you know streamers and, and dudes who are like on instagram and stuff like that which we can actually get to a little bit later um but you know these people who actually like put in the like the time to be number one and it's funny because it's like a hobby between me and my homies like after work and we still are at the top of the leaderboards like so imagine the damage that we could do if we like tried so like i was saying we're kind of in the process of starting a like a a team instagram uh, my buddy jd runs it his uh his uh i think it's I don't know. I'm not really too savvy on the Insta and the Facebooking, but his his handle is Chell Silky Mitts hashtag Chell Silky Mitts or at Chell Silky Mitts on yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Um, so you'll see a lot of our clips on there. I'm I'm on there all the time, and he's gotten picked up by like the world of Chell Clips and like at like EA. I think it's EA Sports NHL Clips or like NHL Clips 20. They mm-hmm. are reposting his his clips and. They get mad views, so we're hoping that we're going to be able to pull the stream game out soon and and do that. So stay tuned on that. It's going to be pretty sick. For- How do people usually go about like monetizing or or pursuing stuff like that? I would say you first you got to stream and you got to build your stream following. You got to be good first of all. So like what we do is we don't go out there and just like clown around and lose games. Like if you watch us, you'll definitely be like, damn, that's some pretty cool shit because we've like figured out the controls like really good in terms of the passing and the deking, the deking and stuff like that. And no one else is doing some of the stuff that we're doing out there. We, we know because I get <laughs> it's funny because. I get so much hate. We get so much hate mail from people being like, "Oh, you trash, you suck, oh, like kill yourself," because they because they got tooled on, like beat down to a pulp. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're so mad that they just have to send out this crazy hate mail. But but yes, I mean, again, as far as like what I know about monetizing and stuff like that, this type of business. I mean, you you get your following, and then you you stream, and then you build your stream, you you build your stream following, and then you know, you get your patrons or Patreons or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. They, they they contribute to you in the beginning, so you can start to kind of build up your thing. And then I think once you get a certain amount of following, right, YouTube picks you up and starts, or Google picks you up, and they start sending you checks to keep the content coming. I mean, it, right? Is it something like that? Isn't that how it goes? Yeah, I think uh, you're right, because Google bought uh, YouTube. So it's been through Google, through their, like, ad platform. A lot of people have been nervous about that and i'd be interesting interested to get your take on it now that you're getting into it and there are a lot of options for you ever since that ad apocalypse i don't know if you heard about that when youtube started like demonetizing a lot of videos and it people who were making millions went down to making like thousands is there any concern over the exact platform you use for advertising have you thought about 
hosting your own videos or doing a different, like a JW player doing your own ads on it and stuff like that? Well, it is funny that you say that. So Mixer, I don't know if you, I'm sure you, you heard of Mixer. Mixer is at the Microsoft and like Xbox based streaming platform. So what, what we all do, what we all have and what we all do is we all have the, the Mixer account. So what you do is like, let's say, you know, j- just for us in the beginning, Mm-hmm. Or this is how like we've we've started kind of doing it. If anybody who plays Xbox has a mixer account and and has a mixer account has the ability to broadcast and it's mm-hmm. wicked it's like wicked simple wicked easy. All you do is you know you hit your menu button, scroll like side scroll over two spots, and the mixer option is right there. And pretty much anyone can broadcast their gaming, you know. And that game streaming is so huge right now, dude. Between Fortnite and you know the sports games, I'm sure like. I remember, dude, when I, when when games like first started kind of popping on the stream mainstream, you know. And I remember like the Madden bus, dude. That was like the ultimate platform to get on. Madden is also is like one of my like my one of my favorite games. That and NHL, my two favorites. Um, but dude, you know, to ever get on the Madden bus was like the mecca, like the pillar to get on there. And you know, I I would always like talk to my homies. We joking around like, oh, Madden bus is coming to Boston. Let's go try it out. And, <laughs> And it's like, dude, there's like, there's thousands of kids there trying to play and you got to win like so many games and it, it, it's a really big hassle. And nowadays it's like with the streaming, it's like, you can kind of get shortcutted. It, it gets shortcutted because you don't have to compete with a bunch of people. But I mean, if you're good and you put in the time and you know, you're kind of interesting or whatever, a lot of people watch you. I, I Dude, to be honest, I'm a little bit older, you know, I still don't really get the concept of it because I would rather just play the game than watch people play. Yeah. But at the same time, um, yeah, I, I mean, there it's it's such a crazy market right now with the streaming and, and the, the professional gaming and like the esports and all that stuff. And I mean, I'm not saying I'm gonna make it like my my some of my passion, you know, like I I work for a living and stuff. But you know, when I, after a hard day's work and I get home and to just you know, I, I that's my downtime, you know, like Xbox and, and playing games is like a, like a it's like my wine downtime, like a hobby, you know, I just relax playing. And it's funny because we just, we dominate everyone. So I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what it would be like if we were to take it to that next level, like I'm saying, you know, it's funny because this whole thing that was never taken seriously before as like a sport is now selling out arenas. Like esports are selling out like stadiums. MSG dude. Like, like, um, like the overwatch league, dude, that, that's there's like mad drama too like it's crazy when you hear about watching you know documentaries and school and 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 reading textbooks and stuff and you learn about this person was a trendsetter what they were doing was frowned upon they were ahead of their time do you ever feel like these are the opportunities where it kind of feels a little weird and awkward and you don't totally get it but when you decide to take it seriously and push on it that's the place where a lot of special stuff can happen. Like you could be that guy in that arena or that guy with that following that was on it before everyone else was on it. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I always tell like my, like, so we always, I always stay up to date on like the new games and stuff like that. NHL 20 comes out, Madden, Madden 20 comes out. I'm, you know, I get a day of, or, you know, even pre-order that stuff because mm-hmm. you got to get down on the ground floor because it's like wicked competitive to try to get on the top of the leaderboards and in the ranks and stuff like that. So like you really got to start from the beginning and you know, it's, it's, it, it, it does get super competitive. And you know, if, if you really want to try to make something of it, you got to, you got to put in a little time, but 
I don't know if that really answers your question, or maybe if we rephrase that, we could. Yeah, no, it it does because it feels like, as someone who's not a totally serious gamer, by the time I get on games, like I, I'm, I've always been pretty good at COD, and I got the new one the other day, and I played maybe two multiplayer games. I didn't kill a single person. I got killed like fifty times. It's if you're not if you're not learning the controls at the same time everyone else is. Once you step in, they just crush you. Exactly. That's why it sucks for the gaming industry, too, because it's hard to get new players in because unless you're, like, in on it or whatever, like, there's not really such thing as a casual gamer anymore. Right. Um, uh, I used to be... <laughs> I used to be... I, I've had, like, different phases, you know, like, I, growing up, you know, I, I would play them a lot, you know, and then I wouldn't... Recently, I've been... It's like one of the things that I love doing, and you know, it's like crazily enough, dude, to draw to draw a parallel with the whole coronavirus. Like, it it's still a way for people to connect and still yeah. game, and it's funny because I'm getting all these pop ups on my on my like a home like home page. Like Xbox gives you like a home like a home page where it has like an activity feed and what your friends are doing, achievements unlocked, and all that stuff. I, I don't. You play PlayStation? I don't really know if it has something similar, but um. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool because the, all these pop ups are coming up, and it's like you know, game together. You know, even though we can't all like be out and about together, gaming is like a good way to like stay together and you know keep in contact and play safe, yada yada yada, whatever. But it 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 is it is pretty cool to to kind of have everyone join in on something that I've already been doing for a little while, and it like it, I I used to tell people like, oh, you know. I, Someone would ask me, oh, what'd you do last night or Sunday night? I go to work Monday. Oh, what'd you do last night? Yeah. Oh, I chill at home and played, you know, Madden with my homies. Oh, dude, you playing Madden? Like, what are you, 30 playing Xbox, whatever? <laughs> now it's like, I, I, I have I have a lot more people being like, oh, yeah, dude, you ever you play Fortnite or you hear, like, you ever play the Battle Royale games or Call of Duty or Madden or NHL? And it's like, yeah, dude, I run that shit. Let's go. <laughs> it's like an adult thing now. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's. I don't. I don't want it to get confused because I. I don't make money off gaming or streaming. Whatever I do purely as a hobby, and I totally would. And like I said, we've been talking about like taking like me and my homies. Because let me also say something too. I only play competitively or seriously with a certain group of people because it just mm -hmm. doesn't work with the randos. You know, it's mm -hmm. nice to have a network of people you you like game with and have fun with. But when we're talking about trying to climb the ranks and and win the NHL playoffs, like actually, so this is pretty sick. So uh, NHL twenty has they they have the world of chill and they just uh well they host this it's called playoffs the world of chill playoffs and it happens like once a month and in world of chill you climb your you climb your rank you know you start at rank 10 which is like you know a noob to the game you, you just started and you get all the way to level one or to rank or so you start at level 10 and you, you go to level one your squad does at least you know when you play when you play online ranked or whatever so you you pretty you pretty much all just like crawl crawl up the ranks together and when it starts to get like broken up and you bring new people in, in, and you know, you don't have the right chemistry, you, you lose. And it's like, you, you lose focus, you lose, like, you, you know, it, it just, it doesn't work. That's why if you want to try to really do good, dude, you really got to like get your core group of homies that are down to try to like do good because it sucks, dude, when you're all on the same page, you just take losses and then you don't want to play. And then, so that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I, I do it as, like I said, hobby. I'm not, I'm not a professional gamer, but, we we do do we, we do have a lot of fun out there. I, I I suggest doing you know doing it especially in times like these, dude. When you got nothing else to do, do your yard work, whatever. At night, have a couple of beers, 
play some games with some homies. I've been feeling that like sort of '90s and early 2000s nostalgia. Been listening to a lot of like pop punk rock music lately, and going back and watching all those like comedy films that would always be like straight to DVD. They just like cranked them out, like the American Pie Six and all that. It feels like the world of gaming is one of the last things that we grew up with that's still around. That when you get on and you're playing a game and you have the headphones on, you're talking to your buddies, it feels like you're back in that world of like, it feels like we're back in in high school. Like the, the rock music's playing, nothing's different, nothing's changed. You know what I'm saying? It's not like... It's, it's nostalgia. It's, it's, it's like something that's just a piece of you that you grew up with that's familiar. You know, that's, that's why like I've never... Some people like, um, you know, just put away, like, stop playing or whatever. But it's like, I've never felt the disconnect with it. Like, yeah. I've never felt like uncool for playing it. I've never felt cool for having it or whatever. I've never, I've never felt the need to buy the newest game or the newest system or whatever, except, except with the sports games, like I was saying. But, it, but it doesn't, it doesn't come from a place of like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you're not chasing the current culture. You're doing what you want to do. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it because it's because what everyone else is doing. I'm doing it because it's, it's what I've been doing for so long. And I, I don't, uh, you know what I mean? I've never buried my controllers or stuck the box underneath my bed. It's like, there's no need to, you know what I mean? I feel like a lot, a lot of people, you know, you, you get married, have your kids or whatever. It's like now my homies being like, yo, I was playing the switch with my kid or whatever. It's like, yeah, dude, it's fun. Right. Like, yeah, should have had that kid earlier. You can join the team. He's gonna be a little beast. <laughs> no, just train, train him. Make it, he's going into the esports to get that yeah. control in his hand at one years old. <laughs> at the top of the show, we introduced you as a gamer and an environmentalist, which you obviously studied in uh, college or university, I should say, for for the viewers that don't know. But we also had uh, the title of adventurer in there. And one of the things I want to bring up, because I found it super exciting, a lot of the stories you were telling, was your recent trip up to Jackson Hole, which is one of the, what, snowboard meccas of the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, one of the most incredible experiences of my whole life. I've been to a lot of places, been to beach vacations there, I've been to, I've been to Greece, Italy, you know, I've seen the Acropolis and, like, those ancient, well, okay, so... Seeing the ancient ancient Greece is pretty sick. I mean that 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 might be at the top, but at the same time, um, I did do this Jackson Hole, uh, Wyoming snowboard trip with a couple of my homies, and it was wicked epic. And if you know if you guys know anything about how this 2019 2020 winter storm season was it's one of the most epic seasons on record in the past 100 years you ask anyone who is into snowboarding and into and into you know alpine sports they'll tell you that this season is is off the record and we couldn't have struck gold like any harder because residents of jackson that have been there for 30 years said that this was the most epic winter that they've ever experienced not to mention jackson is one of the most epic places to even like ski or snowboard in the whole world on a regular basis i was in powder six feet five five to six feet deep i mean i'm you know just under six feet myself whatever and i was at some points untouched i was in powder up to my shoulders it was nuts wow and and you know if luckily i've, I've been you know i've been snowboarding since i was like five six years old and i really I thank my parents for that because 
there was like a ski program when I was in elementary school and they were like, yeah, you know, he's got a good bounce and savvy and you know, kind of like what you were saying. I've, I've always been about action sports, but yeah, I've been, I've been snowboarding since I was, you know, five or six years old, since I was able to stand on one, you know, skateboarding and all that stuff. Um, and I've been in East coast rider, loon, Killington, Mount snow, you know, Sunday river, all these big mountains mm-hmm. up here. And I, I never wanted, never wanted to go to that snobby place but dude, it is nothing like if you've never been there, like like ridden that like West Coast style, especially Jackson, it, it's way different, and it, it is so awesome. Like it, it, if you ski or snowboard and you never got a chance, dude, you have to go to Jackson Hole. Yo, I saw moose like on the side of the road. I saw elk. I saw a big bald eagle. Like was we were driving and we stopped at a red light and like the bald eagle came in and landed right at the top of the red light, dude. It was so sick. You're like right in the middle of the Yellowstone National Park. Like summit was 10,000 feet. So is that now when I hear six feet, when I hear six feet of snow, I think like a quicksand, like do you have to worry about not getting swallowed up and suffocating down there or is it a little less dangerous than i'm making it out to be but like it's 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 a little bit of both it it is super dangerous um but what happens with snowboarding dude you float on top of it Mm -hmm. so you you know you you sink in about you know sometimes you can sink in two or three feet deep you're still riding the powder down you know you're still riding down the mountain but sometimes if you you get tweaked a little bit and you get you go head over heels you get sucked into like the powder dude you can die like you can suffocate like it a lot of people say you know you stay calm you know what i mean don't breathe too heavy because you form like a little pocket of air but mm-hmm. yeah dude you have like a really short window to get dug out but i mean no like it's not like someone's strangling you you're in like a chokehold or whatever but it, it's not it's not like drowning either where you're like underwater but it's it's at the same time it's like in a very tight little enclosed space and you know it, that, that's if you're it, you get lucky i mean I'm not trying to downplay avalanches by any means. You get caught in an avalanche, you get packed in there. There's no air bubble. You get you get you get snow in your mouth, in your throat, like packed tight. But you know, you, where I was, you, you're in the you're you're doing the glade skiing and stuff like that, and you 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 can fall into these things. They're called tree wells. I don't. I'm not really too well versed or familiar, but it was one thing that I did a little research on when I went out to when I before I went out there, and it's like picture the tree has all the branches around it but then the stalk comes down really skinny so what happens is a well forms around the stalk but snow forms up like along the sides because it like it gets deflected off the branches you know what i'm saying so it Mm -hmm. lands up or along the branches but underneath no snow forms because it's getting blocked by like the top of the tree you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so there's a gap that you can't see because of the the snow being like at eye level or whatever or at the horizon or whatever but it's that like kind of piggyback of what you're saying about the whole quicksand thing like if you're if you're going over if you're kind of getting too close to the trees and you get sucked into the tree well you'll you'll fall right into this this cavity crevasse and you'll have to get either dug out or you know just stay calm till you get pulled out or whatever but i mean yeah it's it's it can be pretty dangerous out there dude like it's 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 otherworldly it's not like it's not like uh snowboarding on the east coast because of the amount the sheer amount of snow like i feel like kind of a noob out there dude i didn't have a helmet which i should have been wearing i i was like one of the only people who weren't wearing a helmet um but i i, I feel confident enough in it where i don't normally wear a helmet anyways but being in like unfamiliar territory i probably should have been wearing it with you know 
just under the circumstances, but, but that's beside the point. Um, and then I also had, I saw a lot of people with backpacks with like avalanche gear with like little mini shovels and like dig out gear and strobe lights and flashlights and all that stuff. Me, I'm just like a noob on vacation. I got like my jacket and you know what I mean? I'm like, let's rock guys. But definitely had to, uh, be on your toes, stay fully aware of what was going on, you know, about your surroundings. Like we were, we made sure that we were like pretty close to each other. Not like we're like creeping down the mountain. I mean, we had a blast. We were flying around, but make sure you got homie in sight. You know what I mean? We were wearing a little bit of brighter colors. I wore, I was wearing an orange jacket. Normally I wear a black jacket with camo. Um, but I brought an orange jacket just because I wanted to make sure I was visible to the homies. My other buddy had a bright, like bright yellow jacket. You know what I mean? Like we took the necessary steps as, experienced snowboarders not so much like mountain men as much mm -hmm. as i would love to like be like a mountain you know what i mean some of these guys like travis rice they camp out in the wilderness for like three four days and like ride this back country powder which i would love to do dude I, it's it's so incredible but for like a, a resort rider who has a 20 years plus of experience i mean i consider myself an expert snowboarder like i mean trying to be a little humble here i mean i'm not a pro snowboarder but i mean i you know had had i dedicated my life to that maybe who knows because you know i'm 32 and i could still like throw my body around pretty good and, and get up there but yeah dude it was wicked sick we got a pretty dope chalet if anyone knows what that is it's french for ski cabin uh, nice but yeah no nah, it was sick all these french terms we just airbnb it pretty much but yeah it was dope i uh I didn't want to laugh because you were talking about serious stuff and safety and all that. And then you just went and you fall into a crevasse and I just couldn't help it anymore. <laughs> a crevasse. The crevasse of death. Oh, no. So you ran into uh, a bit of a celebrity up there, right? Tell me about uh, that story. Yeah, Anaguchi. He's a, he's a local pro, dude. He's old school snowboarder and... Um, a lot of people might not know might not know him um but if you are if you know snowboarding and stuff and, and backcountry riding you you definitely have heard of brian Gucci. so he is uh is, he's an older guy um i think he might be late 30s early 40s but he's been in the park snowboarding game since their mid early 80s when like you know burton and stuff was first coming on the scene and slope style snowboarding and stuff um, but he moved out to Jackson Hole maybe 15 years ago. I, I followed him, done a lot of uh, reading and stuff like that. He's, he's mm -hmm. done a lot of writing in magazines and stuff like that. He's been featured in a lot of a lot of stuff, all, a lot of stuff. Like he's he's a, he's a pro writer, you know. You can imagine snowboarding snowboarder magazines, like all this stuff. But maybe 20 years ago, he moved out to Jackson and wanted to dedicate his life to strictly backcountry snowboarding, and that's the best type in Jackson, Wyoming. That's the best type of backcountry riding. Maybe Alaska in the u.s you can you can get to so mm -hmm. um yeah so he moved out there and i was just sitting in the bar uh and it was pretty cool was sitting with a couple of my buddies and i didn't want to be like a fanboy or whatever but we're chilling and we're just having beers and we're talking about like how epic the conditions are and you know just cool dude he was like he was like oh like the first timers over here <laughs> And we're like, we're like, yeah, man. And and he's like, he's like, you got, you know, you having a good time. We're like, we're like, yeah, like whispering, like that's, that's Brian Aguchi, it's Brian Aguchi. But no, we were just, just literally, I was having Bloody Mary, you know, we're just at the bar, you know, he was just shooting this shit with him. He's like, you know, I'm glad people are having a good time. He's like, he's like a, a local pro, like a like a pro rider, you know what I mean? So he wants to encourage people to come. You know, he he, he talks to people. I wasn't gonna be like, yo, dude, let me get your autograph, man. Like, can you sign my board? 
Yeah, like yeah, let, let me run out to get my like I'll look like such an idiot. Everyone who's there every day who sees him there every day, like who's this moron who's like getting his shit signed? Like it, it's it's not like that. I'm I'm not I'm not a fanboy at all. Like I I can appreciate pioneers of the sport. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I'm sure that he he would probably have been like oh like you know the tourist thing. And and he's a really nice guy. Like he, he's honestly not like you know everyone says that you know. Oh, like you know he's such a nice guy or you you meet famous people oh he was so nice whatever but he really was a wicked nice just normal dude you know what i mean laid back and i'm not gonna be like buddy like sign my hat sign my board sign my boot like you know he's he's not that kind of snowboarder it's not like you know it's like talk you know you know it's like seeing tom brady at the cafe or whatever you know like just a regular guy you know what i mean regular shop pro it's where he lives it's where he makes you know speaking of being a noob I heard you got uh, a little sick up on the mountain. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you thought we weren't going to drag this story out for the podcast, huh? It's it's all right. Got to humble you a little bit. Yeah, I I got altitude sickness when I was up there, dude. It's it was wild. Like I couldn't believe it because you know I've always, I mean I I fish I fish tuna for tuna all summer. I go deep out into the ocean like on rough seas. I've never gotten seasick. I've always talked mad shit. I'm like ah, this dude's yeah, blowing chunks over the side. Can't handle the stomach. But yeah, dude, I have never been at that elevation before, and it was it was weird. Like it was. It was weird, dude. I felt wicked sick. When I got off the plane, it's all good, you know? And as soon as your body starts, like, realizing where you, where it is, that's when it starts coming on because I believe it's at 6,000 feet above sea level. So that change definitely messed with my stomach to the point where I was a little bit in panic mode. You know, we got off the plane. It was fine. We went out to dinner, got settled into our, our place. But, like, around, like, that 5, 6 o'clock time – my stomach just started like getting really uneasy and you know i was like i like is it something that i ate and i I was just like honestly guys like shitting my brains out and like yakking for like a good like six hours part of me was like what what's the what happens here like am i going to be able to shake altitude altitude sickness and i'm like looking around it's like it's like get to our remedies are online it's like get to a lower elevation drink water it's like well I'm in Wyoming. I can't really get to a lower elevation. What, what am I going to do? Like go to the airport and like go back home. But I was thinking about, it. I was like, what, like what happens if I, if I, if I can't shake this. So I, I honestly thought about coming home, but I was like, I have to power through this. So I was like, boys, I, I, I'll catch you in the AM. Like I'm crashing out. They, they didn't do anything. I think they had a couple of beers, maybe played some beer pong, whatever. But I just, I, I just clonked out literally no wake up, nothing. Eight to eight. My alarm went off at eight. And I just, I felt like a million, million bucks, but it's no joke. It happens to actually like 60% of people who have never been or experienced like the, uh, that altitude change. It happens to like 60% of the people that, that, that go out there. So, um, the chances of it happening to one of us, I mean, I was with eight people. So, oh wow. uh, yeah. So, uh, what is it? 60 or six, six out of, or what is it? Yeah, five, 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 five of us would have got it, whatever it is. I was thinking 10. I was trying to chop 10, divide, carry the one. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it was just just me, so I so I, I got it. Everyone else was good. My buddy Gatano um, said that he was having some joint pain, which if – I mean, I'm not a doctor. If I would equate that to be probably lack of oxygen getting to your muscles and stuff like that, so maybe, you know, oxygen is thinner down there, you know, harder time – getting like like oxygen to your muscles moving around your joints i mean makes sense so maybe he was experienced a little bit of that too but yeah no altitude sickness real thing no joke 
um, stay calm, sleep, drink a bunch of water. Uh, you know, it can get pretty bad if you really feel the need for hospitalization. I mean, what you can do is there, you can get oxygen therapy. Um, and even at the supermarket, it's pretty funny. They have these little like 15, they look like little, not 15, they look like little 750 like milliliter flasks of, of like oxygen. They have a little <laughs> respirator on them. You can buy them at the supermarket. It's pretty nuts. Um, and they're like three bucks and it's a little, little mini air, air canister. You just go, you carry it around with you. And it's, it's, it's like little mini oxygen therapy. You, you can't get like, like days worth out of it. But I think if you were feeling lightheaded, you know, you can get a couple of hops at it, like a albuterol for like an inhaler or something like that, you know? But huh. yeah, no, in, in the most severe cases, you, it's, it was recommended that you go to the hospital, you get oxygen therapy, but you know, it goes away once you get acclimated. So I went, I went to bed eight o'clock, clonked out a straight 12 hours, <laughs> no wake up, nothing. I feel like a million bucks. And I was landing big threes off the jumps the next day. Sick, dude. It was sick. And I saw a moose, like I was saying, it was wild, wild. Yeah, that was a big goal for a while, right? Seeing a moose? I had never seen one. It was when I was a little kid, I always thought I, like, I, moose was like my spirit animal. Like, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to like see one in the wild so bad because I just, I always just, you know, knew how massive they were and just, just like behemoths. And I, you know, I, you, you see horses and you're like, oh, like you imagine, like, what does a moose look like up close? I've seen deer horses, <laughs> but. I had never seen one. Then I saw one. I was like, "Damn, that is sick! They're pretty big. They, they're, I, you know, I, I like nature and wildlife and stuff. Like yeah. I said, big, big fisherman. You've been. I don't know if this was just like the last couple of years or if you've been doing this for a while, but it seems like you've been fishing a lot more lately. And like, not even just like going to the pond and fishing, but like taking that seriously too. Like you were building lures for a while, doing it as like a business thing. Where does fishing fit into the life right now and what are your future plans with that well that again that's i'm a man of many hobbies that's just that that's a hobby. renaissance man oh yeah for sure it's nice weather equals fishing for me i snowboard in the winter and fish in the summer so all, all summer i'm out uh, in in Saco, maine out in in like in the Saco bay and we we go deep into like you know jeffrey's and george's bank and all that stuff and we're traveling all over, all over the eastern, eastern between Maine, up, up from Maine to Mass, like Gloucester. We're we're going up and down, and in the big tuna hunt, it's sick. I, I've I've done a lot of freshwater fishing. I've I've had like phases. I started off fishing saltwater, and then I slowly moved a little bit of freshwater because I started catching big pike and big largemouth. My buddies kind of got me onto that. And I was catching like six, seven pound largemouth and like I caught a 20 pound pike and I was just like hooked. Um, so I was dedicating. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. I was dedicating a lot of my fishing to freshwater. I was making lures with my buddy, just broomstick lures, which are like little wooden lures shaped like fish. We were catching fish, but, um, then we found a spot in Plum Island that we were pulling 50 inch stripers out of like 52 inch stripers. And that like reignited my, uh, my, my saltwater fishing passion. So, you know, we were pulling out 50 inch stripers. Then in that same summer, we hooked into a 550 pound tuna and I like, haven't looked back. salt. So I've been straight saltwater, like all saltwater. Wow. What goes into a, uh, a tuna hunt? What sort of what sort of prep? What sort of uh, bait? Time, patience, the right gear. You need tuna reels. You need tuna rods. You need live bait. 
you need a boat big enough to, you know, hack it to go mm-hmm. out into the deep water. Do you sell them? I mean, obviously it depends on the size, but is that your goal typically? Yeah, the the with the tuna, the goal is to always try to sell the fish. I mean, we took a couple like tuna steaks for the fam and stuff, mm-hmm. but we we have a commercial license that we're we're trying to fetch. We're trying oh, to that's catch, sick. We're trying to catch that thousand pounder that you know that ten grand fish. You know, if we really do, dude, dude bluefins are selling for like a million dollars in in Japan. Like, really? Out here, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The world record bluefin was just sold in Japan for like. Wait, 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 wait. I don't understand the economics of a fish that people beat off with baseball bats. So. If you were, if you were to, again, if we were to break it down into like super crude math, they buy the fish for like a million dollars, and then it gets broken down by like the pound, and like the restaurant will sell like ounce portions for like a hundred bucks a like a plate. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. sixteen ounce, sixteen ounces to a pound, so you you get you're getting sixteen hundred bucks for one pound when the fish. You know, when, when, when the fish weighs 500 pounds. Now I know what you're talking about. I just looked it up. I made the mistake. I confused bluefin tuna with blue fish, like the little thing with teeth that you hit with the baseball bat when you catch it so you can unhook it. That's what I thought you said they were buying for a million bucks. We're talking about big, we're talking about trophy fish, big game. Bluefin, bluefin tuna. Yeah, it says Tokyo, a bluefin tuna in January 2019 sold for a record 3.1 million at first auction. That's insane. 3.1. 3 million. Mm-hmm. That's insane. So insane. So you catch them and then you take them to Japan. That's the deal. <laughs> it gets yeah, it gets shipped over. Dude, that's insane. I don't know how these guys manage to do what they do. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck with it, and we'll have to have you back on friend of the show. Gonna have you back. Uh, we'll talk about fishing. We'll talk more in depth on masonry. We'll talk about how the streaming is going once you get that up and running. Yeah, this is kind of just like the the precursor, the 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 prelude to uh, our activity together on the show, and what we're going to be talking about, and kind of the direction that we can go with this whole thing. Oh yeah, how's that sound? Sounds great. <laughs>